0: Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also a best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, we have another amazing guest. He is somebody that's part of this community, this network of amazing people that I'm part of. And every single time I'm there, he just stands up because he adds so much value. He's always there helping people improve. And he's just just so full of uh, great business advice and nuggets of of little gold gold that you can actually get from him. So I'm absolutely amazed to have him here on the show. He helps businesses become stronger, better, and financially bulletproof. He loves to choose to make every single day the best day ever and every single day after that as well. So please welcome founder of Business Impact, author and speaker,
1: Mr. Wes Kowalczyk. Right on. Thank you so much, Fong. Um, I'm excited to be here and thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being here and spending some time with us.
0: Um, you're an amazing person when it comes to business strategies and helping people grow.
1: But tell us how you grew to become that. Well, that's an exciting <laughs> <laughs> question. Um, so I, I'd like to maybe I shouldn't say I'm a serial entrepreneur, but maybe I am. Um, my, I came to be where I am through a lot of failure. Uh, I had some success. Um, I grew my fourth business was an oil and gas business, and I grew that from uh, from nothing to millions of dollars in revenue, and then lost it all. And uh, so, some of the lessons that I learned, um, you know, it was about seven hundred thousand dollars in in revenue with my oil and gas business. And uh, one of my mentors, a good friend of mine, he, uh, I was, I phoned him, and I was, for lack of a better word, I was whining why I didn't have enough customers, why I didn't have enough money, why I didn't have enough, whatever. And he goes, well, you know, what's your marketing plan look like? And I go, well, um, it's over there on the wall, but I just haven't had the the money or the time to, to make it work. And he goes, well, figure out your marketing plan and it'll come together for you. So I said, okay. Wasn't two weeks later, I heard an ad on the radio. First time and only time I've ever heard this ad came on was, you know, how would you like to double your revenue in the next 12 months? <laughs> I put <laughs> my hand up in the truck, uh, and uh, before I even got out of the truck, I had the coach engaged and they sold me on a coaching program. Um, short story, you know, four months later, and I spent about $45,000 on this program, I fired the coach because I just didn't see the value that we were, were getting out of it. Didn't have the money, didn't have the cash flow. I borrowed all that money to invest in the coaching. Um, but little did I know that the work that we put into that four months would allow us to not only double our revenue that year, but double it again the year after. Mm-hmm. And so that, that kind of set us on the track of, of of growth and understanding what we needed to do in creating uh, business processes, what we needed to do to create a good solid message that resonated with our clients and you know identify what the problem is that our clients have that only us could solve, right? Um, fast forward to 2015, when the crash and new oil prices came, You know we were way overextended and been there, done that. <laughs> And uh, two days before um, Christmas, uh, my wife and I filed for personal bankruptcy because we were way out of our league, right? Um, that that left a very dark uh, period in my life um, because not only am I a failure as a businessman now, right, I ran that business for 10 years. We made millions, lost it all. Um, telling my son two days before Christmas, we have to move out of the house we're in. And uh, thank God my Sister-in-law was around. She allowed us to move in with her into her three-bedroom condo. So there's two families living in a three-bedroom condo in Calgary. And um, humbling experience, dark period. Like uh, there was times where I wanted to put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger. Um, and to the point where I, I couldn't go near my gun safe for a year because I just didn't trust myself. Right. Mm-hmm. My wife kept me kept me out of my head though. kept me kept me out of that space. Um, but the the funny thing was, is I tried everything I could to find a job. You know, we, I applied for, um, the CEO or president position at the Alberta energy regulators, all the way down to, um, driving a truck and it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't find work until, uh, you know, throwing resumes out there. I threw a resume to a coaching firm and not knowing what I'd get out of it. And they're the, actually the only ones that ever replied back. And, uh, so I went for an interview, stepped into their office. First day there, um, they've got a, a plaque on the wall, 14 points of culture, and I was amazed that 10, 10 of those points of culture were my own, and I went, maybe this is this is something here. Within a week, I knew this is where I needed to be for the rest of my life. Um, it was a little unfortunate that, that that firm that I worked for wasn't able to stay together. They, they broke up after about a year, but I knew coaching was in my blood after that, so it uh, didn't take very long for me to figure out, you know, what do I need to do to get into this space, and I started doing a lot of research and digging up and training and all kinds of stuff, and that puts us where we are today. Is, um, you know, for the last last almost three years now, I've been running my own uh, firm, uh, which helps business owners that are in essentially in the um, in the service space, and I target my marketing the service space, but it's funny. I, I only have one client right now that's in the service space. Everyone else is, is in the, well, I shouldn't say that, uh, in the trades, everyone else is in the service space a gym, a couple of training companies, you know, and that kind of stuff. Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny how that all comes around, but that's how I got into it. And it wasn't, and it wasn't by choice. I call it divine guidance because didn't matter what I did, nothing was working until a door opened for me and it was where I needed to be. Um, mm-hmm. Last night, we had a had a, a syndicate style networking meeting. And uh, one of the last questions were, um, how, how long you've been doing this? And how long are you going to do it? Um, my answer was, I've been doing this for about six years. And um, I'll finish doing it when I'm about three years after I'm buried. <laughs> that's that's the magic of uh taking yourself out of the
0: business and having the business still run right (laughs) absolutely absolutely right (laughs) has to be self-sufficient so you're one of those people who uh gone into coaching believed in coaching and all of a sudden the coaching didn't work you let that go so then now you're one of those coaches so what would you say was different between that mindset when you were being coached at the time and you didn't find it working what was
1: missing Yeah. So, so really the thing I think that was missing is, you know, we were, we were dumping, uh, I think it was about $2,500 American into uh, a phone call once a week Mm -hmm. and the, we just didn't see the value in this accountability call because really that's all it was, was an accountability call. Hey, did you do the work? Did you do what you said you were going to do? Now there's value in that, but my big ego um, wouldn't say, you know, I don't need that. I can just do this myself. Um, Knowing what I know now, uh, one of the things that I try to help my clients with every every time I sit down with them is, is bring more value to them so that they're getting that value. I learned that lesson uh, in a very powerful way. Coaching isn't so much about business mechanics as it is about mindset, right? And so a lot of times we need to take that take that moment and just ask, you know, hey, how are you today, right? Because mindset will really... Will really help deliver your, your promises if you're in the right mindset, mm-hmm. right? If you're, if you're in a positive mindset, I've been reading positive books since phew, I don't know when. Uh, first time I quit drinking, I think. <laughs> so that goes back about, uh, you know, I'm going to say 25 years or so. And, you know, with the right mindset, you can accomplish anything with a bad mindset, you know, you're just putting yourself into a spiral and it's and you're going to kill yourself. If you've got that right mindset and you've got the right guidance and the right tools, you're unstoppable, right? Mm-hmm. You're like the 300 in the picture behind you. You become the 300 that can hold off the entire Persian army for months, yeah, because you're in that right space, right? Mm-hmm. When when you're
0: during that time that was dark and it was very down in your life, What did you do? Like, how did you overcome that, that thought process of, you know what, this is what it is. I just have to accept it to, I'm going to get out of this.
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question. Um, One of the, one of the biggest challenges I had um, was trying to stay positive, like trying to be there. Now, my wife was really good at talking me out of my head, but at the same time, I also knew I needed to be reading better books so I, I dove big time because I didn't have a job. I had, you know, 10, 12 hours a day to do nothing. So I would dive into reading books. I read um, Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within. I read um, Dino Spellbinder's Gift. I read um, uh, Todd Herman's Alter Ego. There's, there's just a ton of books that, that allowed me to figure out my mindset. And one of, the, one of the best things that happened to me is June of that year, and this is going to sound weird, but June of that year, my daughter tried to commit suicide for the third time. Mm. That's the best thing that happened to me that year, because what happened was, is it allowed me to have a conversation with her about getting her into a long-term drug treatment. I put her into that long-term drug treatment at the age of 20. And the way that drug treatment works, it's uh, in Calgary. It's called the Adolescent Addiction Recovery Center or ARC, mm. uh, amazing facility. I put her in there trying to do everything I could to save her life. Not knowing that at the time I did that, it would save my life as well. Right? Wow. So uh, I've been a long-term alcoholic and addict. Um, my daughter and I are one week apart in our sobriety dates. And that set me on a path of self-discovery and self-growth like I've never been on before. I, like I said earlier, I've been reading positive books for 25 years. But the last five and a half years, Have just been like a skyrocket of how does my brain work how do i how do i reprogram my brain from this old way of thinking you know um joe dispenza talks about your 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 um neural pathways in your mind that are especially go-to's for addicts and alcoholics they're like four-lane highways they're super highways that soon as something happens boom you're on the 401 doing 110 miles an hour and, and next thing you know you're going, Oh my God, why did I do that? Um, what Joe Dispenza talks about is taking that, that highway and breaking it back down, stop using that highway and start creating new neural pathways because our brain is so plastic. You can actually repurpose those neurons and put them back into a new neural pathway. So I started down the road of recovery, which started out just like a little grass trail in the woods. And it's now become my 401 highway, right? When, stuff goes sideways. I don't go back to using, I go back to, you know, okay, what do I need to do to, to get through this? What are the tools I need to do to make better decisions? What are the tools I need to manage my emotions better? And that's one of the powerful things is realizing that, you know, as human beings, we need to be the ones that control our emotions, not emotions controlling us. Cause when we let our emotions control us, we make really bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's one of the powerful things that I've, that I've been going through for the last five years. And that's really led me to help out my coaching clients because I really can understand how the brain works. And When they get stuck in a space, I can, I can relate to that because I've been there and I go, this is how you get unstuck. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of stuff you need to do. You know, how, how many people meditate, right? Not very many. Right. And, and most of them, like me, go, well, I don't even know how to meditate. Where, 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 do, I, where do I begin? And so I started meditating, guided meditation, doing some uh, stuff that Joe Dispenza recommend, recommended. But it doesn't just end there. But the idea is daily habits, daily thoughts. Your thoughts in your mind are like flowers and, and vegetables growing in your garden. Mm-hmm. And if you let the bad thoughts come in like weeds, and you don't pull them out right away and toss them, those bad thoughts overtake your garden. And you next thing you know, you have a weed patch for a garden instead of a garden. And so we have to be very cognizant and, and awareness is the, the big thing. Being aware of what your behavior is, being aware that you've got a bad thing going on. As Soon as you're aware of it, you can start to look at ways to fix it. You can start to pull those weeds out and get rid of those bad thoughts. And then you can start to see your life change, right? And it's it's just like a harvest. You got to plant the seeds first and then wait for harvest to come. You can't, you're not like a farmer where you plant in the spring and then next weekend you go harvest. Doesn't work like that. You know, you got to wait 110 days before you can get into the harvest mode, right? So it's the same thing. Um, mindset is huge. Business mechanics, uh, there's a little bit of knowledge that you need to have around finding that predictable process that works. And I've got one of those. I'm, I'd, I'd love to say I created it. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've actually just copied it from all the gurus, all the experts. And we've narrowed it down into, into six pillars that allow a business owner to figure out uh, what they need to be doing mm-hmm. in their business. And, and I, I don't know how many business owners I've talked to in the last, um, last year, maybe 500 or so. The vast majority um, don't know where they're at financially in their business, they guess. And so one of the biggest pillars that we start with in, in my coaching programs is we start around financial mastery, understanding how do you read your p l statement? How do you make that work, right? And then how do you monetize it, right? Most people don't understand that, you know, hey, this is my gross profit margin, and that's the best it's going to get. Well, there's certain things that you can do to change that, but if you don't know where you're at on the scale of where everyone else in your industry is, you don't know what your financial potential is in your business. Right. So let me, let me give you an example. Um, <laughs> most trade most uh, trade companies they'll they'll typically have between thirty to thirty five percent gross profit margin, right? And I know from experience that if they're not getting fifty percent gross profit margin on all their projects, they're not paying themselves. Because okay. right? I've had enough clients go through that process. And man, why are you stealing from your family to pay your business? Hmm. Getting profit margin up to 50% so you can pay yourself and feed your family, right? And so when, when you're looking at, you know, let's take an electrician, for example, the average electrician's profit margin is probably 45%. That means 50% of the companies that are operating are below that. Mm -hmm. which means they're not making enough money. They're stealing from their family. And then there's 50% that are above that. The 50% that are above that are the companies you want to kind of emulate because they're the ones that are doing more things right, Mm -hmm. right? That's essentially what I help my clients figure out is, you know, what aren't you doing, right? What don't you know in business? And a lot of that comes from my own own pain, right? I'm bald for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) It's not natural. I had to wear this off, banging my head on a wall, frustrated as all get out. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only reason why I even bothered to hire a coach in the first place is because I was so frustrated with hiring staff. I was frustrated. That I wasn't making enough money. My cash flow looked like a really bad heart rate monitor. It looked like I was, <laughs> was going to have a heart attack. And when you're that frustrated, you're open. Your ego is ready to become humbled. And when your ego becomes humbled, you're willing to accept advice. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can really start to make a change. right Right. that's that's what happened for me in a big way
0: i'm gonna circle back to a few things that you said there uh you mentioned about creating those habits so that you could have that positive mindset for a continual uh period of time now lots of people will sit there and go well yeah it's easier said than done um i want to change my habits too but you know what that that piece of cake looks very, very good. And all oh, I'm on my <laughs> diet for five days, I think I should take that cake or Oh, that new show sounds very good. I'm gonna jump on to that. I'll, I'll put this aside. I'll get back on it. Did you have any mind hacks that kind of you you force or trick your mind into going, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really consistent on these things, so that eventually it became that habit. Right? So
1: there, there is some, um, I use affirmations and, and people go, well, that's, that's just woo woo stuff, right? Um, <laughs> well, if you're, if you're really serious about it and you dig into it. So when I first started doing affirmations, um, was about well, almost three years ago, I did a, a, a weekend training program with a good friend of mine, Ray L. Kelly from strategic pathways. And he talked about doing Doing your affirmations, coming from a place of power and a place of authority, right? And the funny thing is, is when you first start telling yourself these affirmations, your brain goes, bullshit, bullshit, (laughs) because it knows that that's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, is you keep doing it enough times. The repetition, repetition, repetition. At some point, and you probably won't notice when, but at some point, your brain stops saying bullshit, and your brain starts to buy into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of one of my affirmations, the eighth one was, um, I'm ready for the world to hear my story. Right. And and that came true for me about a year and a half after I started saying my affirmations, when I got an opportunity to speak in front of a men's group, uh, in front of 25 men, strangers I didn't know. Uh, this was long before COVID. And and I got to share my story, not somewhat dissimilar from what we just shared here this, today, but. It was the first time I'd ever done that publicly. First time I talked about my bankruptcy, first time I talked about sticking a gun in my mouth. All, you know, all those things that most people don't wanna talk about because it's painful. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, who's, that's who I am today. Those things that I've gone through have made me who I am today. Had I not gone through those, I wouldn't be the guy that wants to be able to create world abundance, that wants to give back to the community, that wants to raise the tide for all the, all the boats, right? Um, i wouldn't be that guy today if it wasn't for those things so when we go back to creating those habits the mind hack you just have to have the discipline to stick to it if you fall off the wheel or you fall off the wagon whatever you want to call it you have to get back on right forgive yourself right I, I, how many of you guys beat themselves up right? <laughs> you do something oh shit and then you beat yourself up for the next next week because you knew you shouldn't have done that well i was big at that and I had to get to the point where I had to forgive myself for doing that and say, look, I'm going to be better next time. And then just start from day one. There's a, there's a program that came out and it was a couple of years ago, maybe not even, not even quite that long. It was called the 75 hard. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. you, had, you had to work out 45 minutes, twice a day. One of them had to be outside and you had to read a good book. And, and there was a list of things that you had to do. And if you failed in any of those things, you had to start the 75 days from day one. Yeah. Um, and so I'll I'll tell you right now, I never finished it. (laughs) I restarted that program about 15 times and, and then I finally gave up on it just simply because it was just, there was too much discipline needed for me to make that. And I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But if you can, if you can create that discipline in your life, if you can do a 75 hard, you can accomplish anything Mm -hmm. because that's the discipline that you need to create to become that high performer. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't be, quite being in Alberta. Yeah. You're probably,
0: being in Alberta, you probably have to schedule that seventy-five day thing within the summertime because working outside, working on outside in the wintertime is not going to be fun. <laughs> no,
1: no. I have, a, I have a, a niece of mine that follows that Wim Hof method where you go running in the cold. Ah, well, yeah. she went running last winter in minus twenty with a tank top on, and Froze her her chest and it was nasty.
0: (laughs) Wow. Um, You also mentioned that you, okay, so you kind of let go of coaching for a while because you didn't find the value in that. But then eventually you went, you know what, I do need to hire that coach and have somebody else guide me along, help me along. And then you became a coach afterwards. What was that thought process between you saying, I don't want a coach to, you know what, I do need a coach? What made you change your mind and did the experience from before? deter you from taking action faster
1: yeah so so i never never rehired that coach or never got another coach again i only hired the coach the one time um but for me to get to that space of hiring that one coach i knew i knew i was struggling enough in business that i I knew there had to be a better way Mm -hmm. and i knew i didn't know the way and i'd had enough mentors along the way that, you know, they were good, but they didn't have the vested interest in guiding me the way I needed to be guided. So when that coach came along that said, Hey, you know, you want to double your revenue this year, that's exactly what I needed to do. Because I knew if I broke that million dollar mark, and I got into that higher, higher income level, then my life would change, my business would change, everything would be better. Mm -hmm. And you know what, it did, it got better, right? Um, By the second year, when we doubled our revenue, the second time in a row, you know, we'd done almost two and a half million dollars in revenue. I'd taken my first vacation in uh seven years. Well, I was gone for six weeks. I only phoned back to the office twice, and that was simply because (laughs) nobody phoned. And I'm going, everything okay back there? Right. (laughs) And so we'd created those processes that we need so the business would run without me. Mm -hmm. And the challenge was because I didn't keep that coach engaged, I look, often look back at it and go, had I kept that coach engaged to guide me through the rest of the growth of my business, would I have gone bankrupt? Mm-hmm. Right. Would I, would I have ended up in a place where I was over leveraged and, and, and I often think, well, obviously that was meant to happen because I'm in the space where I need to be right now mm-hmm. and I'm loving being here. Um, but there's still that, that thought every once in a while goes, you know, what would have happened had I done that? I, I know my life would have been different because I probably wouldn't have gone bankrupt. I probably would have been able to scale my business and ride out the, uh, the downturn and continue to grow. Mm-hmm. But that's not where I was meant to be. And sometimes as, as humans, we also need to realize that when, you know, doors sometimes need to close. But when a door closes, another one opens. Right. And we need to have the courage and the fortitude to walk through that door and say, okay, What's 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 on the plan here? What do I need to do? And you know, one of the things that one of my one of my best friends, um, he described me. He said one word uh, to describe you would be tenacity. He said you don't you don't have quit in your vocabulary. <laughs> and I have to apologize. I'm I'm a little bit emotional right now. Uh, when I look back over everything I've been through through my alcoholism, through uh, divorce. Through destroyed relationships and all that stuff that went on with all of that, um, I, I've never given up. I've always driven forward. There's got to be something better. There's something to to drive forward to, right? And and even even when it's even when it doesn't look good, uh, you know, like the beginning of the beginning of COVID, for example, I lost one of my one of my biggest clients, um, and that was a ten thousand dollar hit to my <laughs> my monthly revenue, mm-hmm. and that was pretty big chunk. And so what do we do, right? So it gave me the opportunity to go find a bunch more clients and, and, and really have a bigger impact on where I needed to be. The, the idea is, you know, if, if life is beating you down, just keep getting back up, right? It's not, it's not how many times you win, it's how many times you get back up, mm-hmm. right? Because life is, life is meant, I, I believe life is meant to be a challenge, to force us to grow, to become better human beings. Right. And, if, and if we accept that challenge, it doesn't necessarily make it easier, but it, it, it gives us that guiding light that, you know, hey, this is, there's a lesson I need to lean here. There's a, this challenge is forcing me to be stronger. So let's accept it. You know, when you pray to God, say, God, give me strength. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't give you, you know, Atlas or Arnold Schwarzenegger body overnight. Yeah. He goes, here's a membership to the gym, dude. Right. Yeah. You ask for more wisdom. He goes, here's more problems for you, dude. Figure it out, right? You ask for you ask for for um, serenity, right? And he throws chaos into your world so that you can mm-hmm. learn serenity, right? Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the, end of the day, and this is the biggest thing I learned about the serenity prayer because I, I I brought it up here. Um, serenity prayer is you know understanding the things that you you cannot change, accept the things or understanding the things you can change accept the things you cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all through my life, I've had that on, uh, on my wall, my mom's house, I grew up with it. Um, her, her, um, uh, my dad was an alcoholic. Most of the, most of the members of my family were alcoholics. I became one, my, some of my kids became alcoholics. Um, but truly when you identify what that definition of serenity means is you can only change you, how you, how you accept the world, how you interact with the world, and you can choose to respond or react to a situation. Mm-hmm. And if you understand that, and you understand that you can't you can't control persons, you can't control uh, places, you can't control things, but you can control how you interact with it, then serenity comes into your life. Mm-hmm. And when you have serenity, you can accept any challenge in the world and you will be able to overcome it.
0: Awesome. That is powerful yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, it's true. When, when you talked about challenges and overcoming challenges, and then you also mentioned about the COVID and uh, how that changed businesses and effect, uh, impacted you. What, did you, what was that shift for you in your business to allow you to kind of navigate through this whole uh, COVID situation?
1: Wow. <laughs> that, that's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny, but, you know, we, we spent a lot of money. Learning some very expensive lessons, um, and you know, we, we were looking at doing some outsourcing, you know, a whole bunch of stuff around marketing and stuff, and the vast majority of it didn't work out because we didn't do it right. We weren't managing it properly, but we learned those lessons in the process, right? And you know, when we look at how COVID's affected business, you know, there's there's three kinds of uh, business owners in this world. There's the ones that are looking looking, how do I pivot? How do I take advantage of the situation, right? And I often go back to, um, you know, when I work with my clients, I go, you know, in every downturn, there's there's even greater opportunity. Um, Joe Kennedy, back in the, uh, in the 20s, you know, he had a net worth of, you know, a couple million dollars. I think it was about 4 million. By the end of the 30s, he had amassed a fortune in the hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Because he was able to take advantage of those downturns. So the first group of business owners when there's a downturn in the economy, when there's challenges, they're looking for ways to take advantage of it. How do we, how do, we do this? The other group are the ones that um, I'm just going to take a wait and see approach, cross their arms and kind of just put a hold on everything. And then the, the third group are the business owners that have bought into, uh, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling. You know, oh my God, COVID's here, we're all going to die, blah, blah, blah. The sad part is, You know, over the last 18 months, those business owners are no longer in business. They've gone Mm -hmm. bankrupt. They've had to close their businesses down. But that's left a big void, right? That's left a big void of opportunity for business owners to come in and fill that need because there's a need, Mm -hmm. right? And so, how do we identify what that need is, right? And probably the best way that I've I've used to identify for us to get through there is the need for business owners to do two things. And you know, we've done a lot of uh, research around this, but most business owners are struggling to get more customers, and/or they're struggling to hire more employees, mm-hmm. right? Better employees, keep and retain employees are the two biggest problems I see with most business owners. And so, you know, we're we're putting together a program, and I, I can't really talk about it, but it's the, it's geared around solving both of those problems by providing expert advice and and consult into those areas for every single business owner at a fraction of the price. Of what a consultant would cost you. Mm -hmm. So we're we're super excited about that. And that's that's kind of the 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 space where you know, if a business owner knows what to do and he's not willing to do it, you know, shame on you. But if he knows what's wrong and and he's been given the tools to go and do it and he's willing to do it, you know, let's encourage him to go be a winner, Mm -hmm. right? Win. And and the more business owners that we can get to win, the better our world's gonna be. Like, think about this. Um, 50, I think it's 59% of Canada's economy is based on small business, right? And in some, some places you, you read it might go as high as 80%. Mm-hmm. But when you think about this, 90, 94% of businesses in Canada are small businesses,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? 0.6% are large multinational corporations. And then there's a little you know, gap in the middle that's the, the medium-sized businesses, out of that ninety-four percent of small businesses, ninety-six percent of them never make a million dollars in revenue. Why not? Well, it's, they don't know what they don't know about growing a business successfully. Right? They, they're really good at the tools. They're really good at the skill set. Uh, they're really good at their craft. Right? One of my one of my clients, I helped him grow one hundred and thirty-three percent. Right in the middle of COVID in nine months. Right in ten years in his business, he'd never broke a two hundred thousand dollar a year. Uh, revenue and in nine months he did 333 thousand and he was still growing and he told me just before Christmas he said you know wes he said i thought all i needed to be good in business was to be really good at my craft and he said you've proven me that that's not the case mm-hmm. he said i need to know business i can't just know my craft i need to know business and that's the challenge with those 96 percent of small businesses is they don't know how to predictably grow a business and the key word there is predictably Right. How do you generate the predictable leads you need? Right. So that every week, you know exactly how many leads you're getting coming in the door. So I I like to use this rule of 10. If you've got, if you want to grow your business by one client a month, Mm -hmm. that means you need to book 10 meetings somewhere in that month. Right. 10 percent, 10 meetings, you close one to get those 10 meetings. You have to talk to 100 people. Right. So that's the rule of 10. Well, how do you find those 100 people? Well, if you go networking or you base it on referrals, you know, can you can you guarantee that you're going to get 25 leads a Mm -hmm. a week coming into your business? No, not really. I mean, referrals are great. Networking is great because they're warm leads. You can close them two times as often, but they're not predictable. Mm -hmm. And so how do we get more predictable leads? I, I get my clients to look at their lead generation as a wagon wheel right? if You've got 10 or 14 spokes on a wagon wheel, one spoke representing every lead generation activity you have in your business, you can actually start to create some predictability because you get all those spokes on the wheel, your wheel runs really true. Mm-hmm. Most business owners have two spokes on their wheel. How well does their wheel go around? Not very. Right. <laughs> and then they wonder why they can't get their business to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the challenge. So we've, we've created a system to help them figure that out and how to implement that so they can start to get predictable lead generation working. Mm-hmm. And when they have that, then we can start to look at getting their back end working so the back end can manage the, the, the lead generation. Leads leads are the fuel for your engine, right? The back end is all about making sure the engine's well oiled and greased so it runs right. And then when you can get to that space, you can buy back your time. You don't need to be the guy running the running the business. The business runs on its own without you. Now you can turn around and sell it for maximum value. And that's what a business is really all about, is a business is just a vehicle to provide you the lifestyle you want, Mm -hmm. right? Most people end up in a business after a couple of years, they, they get stuck, they created a job for themselves and they don't know how to get out of it. And my whole goal at Fong is to help business owners, first of all, understand what they don't know about growing a business give them the tools that they can grow it. And then if they want to grow it to, you know, be the next um, Uber, by all means, you know, you want to be Elon Musk, go for it. If you've got the right vehicle, you can make it happen, Mm -hmm. right? If you just want to have enough money so you can go on a vacation every other month, you can do that too. You don't have to suffer with a job that you created that pays yourself. And you just, you you hate it after a few months or a few weeks or a few years. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, to, to do that. There's ways. There's ways to make it work, and it, it doesn't matter if it you 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 come to me for advice, go to you for advice because I don't fall. You're you're in a very similar space. You know, there's there's all kinds of business coaches out there. Find one that you can relate to, that that makes sense, and then go do the work, mm-hmm. right? and then you can you can live the life of Riley, right? Awesome. But if if you're not willing to do the work, you're not <laughs> willing to listen. No, go ahead. How's that working for you?
0: <laughs> That's true. You got to where you are. Um, you're, uh, what you talked about before about the six pillars, To um, yeah. be able to kind of give us a quick little
1: synopsis of those six pillars? Yeah, a- absolutely. Like I said, the first one's financial understanding, how to, how to monetize your PL, looking at the numbers and knowing what they mean. That was one of the biggest mistakes that I made in, in my business going bankrupt is I didn't understand with the numbers? I mean, there. When I look back after after I went bankrupt and I started doing some research on understanding your finances, there was little red flags that were starting to appear back in 2014. That had I noticed them, we probably could have averted what we did. But didn't they didn't weren't bright red flags throwing themselves in my face? <laughs> so I didn't see them right. So understanding your finances that's the first pillar. Uh, the second one is understanding how to get marketing to work for you, mm-hmm. right? 60% of people that you ask them, you know, is marketing an expense or an, uh, an investment, 60% will tell you it's an expense. And those 60% need to come talk to me because they're doing it wrong. <laughs> for every dollar you spend, you should get a return on your investment, not just keep throwing money at the wall and, you know, praying for the best. So understanding how to make your marketing work. Then the second, the second part to the second pillar is the sales because they, they kind of go hand in hand, right? You have the the lead generation then how do you convert them to paying customers once you have that piece worked out it's great uh, most people have a sales process 99 percent of the time it's not written down mm-hmm. and they don't track it so they, they don't know if it's broken or not they just know it's not working like it should when you ask them what's your close rate most of them go well it's about 30 percent," but they're just guessing they don't really know right so there's a lot of a lot of pieces to a sales process that, that it needs to make work. The biggest one is the follow-up, right? 82% and I'm going to say this again, 82% of salespeople don't follow up after the first call, right? But 85% of sales are made between the fifth and the 12th touch points. <laughs> <laughs> so what goes, right? So there's, there's 15% of salespeople out there that are rocking it and the rest are, are suffering, right? So that's the second piece, get that figured out. Then we dive into what I call destination. And that's about, you know, how do we plan our business? Because if you don't plan, right, you're, you're planning to fail by default. And so we, I talk about helping my clients understand what they want for their personal life. Like, what do you want in your life? Do you want to travel? Where do you want to live? What kind of house? What kind of schools you want your kids to go to? What kind of legacy do you want to have? Do you want to, do you want to be a philanthropist? How do you want that to look like? And then we look at your business and we go, how do we make your business pay for that? What do we have to do? And then so we set in, you know, business plans. And when I talk business plans, I'm not talking, you know, the big, fat, thick documents to take to the bank. Because those, once you do them, you put them on a shelf, you never look at them again. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about living, breathing, actionable documents that are, you know, maybe four or five pages long at the most that you look at weekly to say, hey, I'm on track or I'm not on track. And then you know you reevaluate. So we go back and go through that process. Once we have the destination figured out, the goal setting, the vision, the mission, then we start looking at okay, what kind of people do we need to have on board to help us do this? So we look at the HR piece and we mm-hmm. go how do we how do we make this work? What we look at your um, organizational structure and we start to vision it, vision out. You know what is it going to look like five years from now? How many how many positions are you going to need to grow your business the way you want? And then we start putting roles and roles and procedures in place for all of those people. And at some point we say, here's a KPI, when we hit this revenue, we need to hire this person. And so we have all the pieces in place to, to start to advertise, set up the interview process and all that other good stuff, right? The, the uh, fifth funnel or fifth pillar, pardon me, is about creating high performance decision-making teams. And that comes down to building teamwork and culture. Mm-hmm. So that then, and really in essence, what it does is it provides them accountability and responsibility to make decisions without you. So you don't become the bottleneck in your business anymore. And it gives you that freedom to step away from the business, Mm -hmm. let them run to the day-to-day stuff and you can work on your business to grow it as big as you want, Right. right? And when you can take Friday off and the business doesn't crumble, it still makes money. Then you know, you're ready to scale your business. Right, because you've got everything working like it should, with the, with the leads you have coming in. All you have to do is turn on your lead flow, turn on the tap, flood those leads in there. Now you can scale your business as big as you want because it's all set to do that. Mm-hmm. Most business owners don't do that. They try to scale their business and they run out of enough leads and it goes <laughs> boom. Right, it's like running out of gas on the on the on the highway. You, you all of a sudden you're stranded on the side of the road and they can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. Right, same same reason. Right. And then the last, the last pillar is all about Kaizen. And I call it Kaizen because it's all about constant improvement. Go mm-hmm. back to go back to your financial and look at it and go, how do we make this better? How do we improve on it? Right? Ask yourself questions like what worked well this week, what didn't, what do we need to change to make it work better? Mm-hmm. And then do the same thing for each one of the pillars. Do the same thing for your marketing pillar, for your sales pillar, for your destination pillar, for your HR pillar, and for your team's pillar. And then awesome. you just keep doing that and you're constantly improving it and you will find you have created a business that works without you. And when you have a business that works without you, it's, it's got an exit strategy built into it. You can sell it for 10 or 15 X uh, pre-tax, pre-tax profit versus what the standard is in the industry right now, which is about three times. Mm-hmm. Right? So think about this. If you've got a million dollar business, right? And the pre-tax profit is $300,000 that means you can sell it for about $900,000, right? Wow. But if it's if it's because it runs without you, you can sell it for 10 times that. Now you can sell that business for $3 million. Wow. Big difference, yeah. right? The challenge is, I'm gonna say 90% of businesses won't be sold for that kind of, I mean, 90, 90% won't even be sold. They just get chopped up for parts because mom and pop have run the business for 30 years, They've never created systems. They've never done any processes. They take them out of the business and there is no business, right? And I have a really good example um, a gas station that uh, used to be in my mom and dad's hometown. I used to fill up there when I was running my own like gas business and it was great. It was right off the highway, like 10 feet, you're filling your truck up. Mm-hmm. They were trying to sell their business for 600,000. They never did. It was on the market for about five years and they eventually uh, took the pumps out, sold off the inventory. I don't know if they got $100,000 for it, right? But that means that they're $500,000 short their retirement nest egg. Wow. That's a huge, huge problem. And, you know, talking with Sharon Shore from uh, Alberta Business Sales, she said there's 185,000 businesses the next five years in Canada that are going to be up, wanting to be up for sale because the, the owners are going to retire. Only about 10% of them will be sold for a profit. The rest will be chopped up for parts. Wow. That means that means there's like 170,000 businesses out there that need help to get them to a place where they can actually sell it. Well, the importance of those six pillars. Oh, it's huge. It's, <laughs> huge. it's huge. But most business owners don't know what they don't know. So my game is to help educate them, right? Yeah. So I do webinars uh, once a month. Uh, actually, I've got a webinar coming up December 7th. Um, I'll put some information out to you here as soon as I get the landing page done for it. But it's, it's all about learning what it is you don't know to grow a business, mm-hmm. right? Because like I said earlier, you know we're all good at the tools, we're all good at the craft, um, but we don't know how to grow a business. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started my oil and gas business, I, hey, I can do that better than you. I, could, I looked at the ticket and go, you're making that kind of money? Get out of the way, I'm gonna go do this. <laughs> and I, I went and bought a truck, I went and bought a trailer and I said, I'm in business, I'm doing this. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, well, not a clue, right? You know, I started with 50 grand and I spent 150 the first year. <laughs> whatever, whatever business plan you come up with says, oh, I need this much money, uh, triple it. <laughs> um, uh, you, you talked about doing
0: webinars and educating and, and helping people. Uh, another way you do that is uh, you, you utilize your book as well.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my book uh, I wrote, it's, uh, I created it, it's called The Cash Flow Creator. And in there, I cover eight strategies that a business can apply, an owner can apply to his business today to start generating profit. Um, And it's it's really simple. It's geared around the five areas that make money in your business. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that. The 80-20 rule, everybody's familiar with the 80-20 rule. So 20% of what we do creates 80% of the results, right? And I love sharing this with my, my clients. Take your customer list. Identify based on revenue, the top 20% of your customers, and you can add up, they'll do 80% of your revenue, right? (laughs) So why are you looking for more customers when you should be focusing on helping those 20% become better or look for more customers like that 20%, right? So the 80-20 rule is, is real simple. More leads. How do you generate more leads? And we talked about this, creating that consistent lead, predictable lead generation effort, then converting them to more sales. Then getting them to come back and buy more often from you, which is really comes down to the customer experience. Mm-hmm. And I like to use the term, the customer ladder, right? First time they buy from you, they're, I call them a trier. They're trying your stuff. If they come back a second time, they're a buyer. If you come back a third time, they're a customer. Fourth time, they're a client. If you can get them to the top rung by using a great customer experience and a, and a CTO, which is a chief thank you officer, mm-hmm. you have a raving fan. And when you have a raving fan, you can get rid of your salespeople because now your customers become your salespeople. Mm-hmm. Right. That's getting them to come back my more often. And when you have that kind of a customer, you can raise your prices because you're providing such ex- extenuating value. You can charge almost whatever you want. If you can if they know you're getting they're getting four times the value, they'll easily pay twice the price. Right. right? But most business owners don't know that. Most business owners end up competing on price because they don't have the ability to share the value that they offer their clients. And in the absence of value, price becomes everything. Right. Right. And then the last one of course is getting, creating more profit, which is all about managing your costs um, and, and understanding your finances. Really mm-hmm.
0: nice stuff. Make sure everybody out there, make sure you pick up that book. Um, if you were given the world stage to speak for one, two, three minutes, so that you could spread one message for everybody to remember you by, what
1: would that message be? Um, that would that message, that's a good question. Um, I would love for everyone to, to realize, you know, become students. You know, if you're in business as a, as a business owner, you need to really learn what it is about growing a business, right? It's not just managing it, but growing it. Because you have the ability, and I want to share this, I talk about creating world abundance and I want to paint this little picture for you. You know, I read a good book by Grant Cardone. It was called the millionaire booklet, hour long read. He said he wrote it in two hours, but what hit me was most powerful in that was uh, he was at a fundraising event, 250 people in there. And he said, all you had to do was look around the room. Everybody was tapped out emotionally, physically, mentally, and financially. He said they were a million dollars short, in reaching their fundraising goal and he said there was only one guy in that room him of course that could make up that difference but what what made me sit up and take notice is he asked why was there only one why not 10 why not 20 why not 50 and the drug treatment center that i took my daughter to they have a big uh, gala fundraising event called the gala Mir- miracle gala it's the same thing 250 tables or 250 seats and. I look at that thinking, go, you know, what if we were able to help 20, 50, 100, 2,000, a million business owners, 10x their revenue over the next 24 months? What would change for them? What would change for their families? What would change for their employees? I mean, obviously, they get to hire more employees, but, you know, if they created a great culture within their business where employees were engaged and they came to work and they seen that their, their leadership gives back to the community, it trickles down everywhere. And if that trickle-down happened in the the business community and in the community where they they live, work, and play, someone comes banging on that employee's door at 8 o'clock at night saying, hey, could you donate to this great cause? What are the chances that employee would donate? Mm -hmm. What would happen in the community, right? It would raise that community up. And that's really what my goal is, is to create world abundance by creating business success so that business owners give back so we don't have just one or two businesses in the community that give back because if you look now, You'll see, yeah, there's maybe a handful of business owners that give back consistently to the community, but why not 100? Why not 200? Why not 1,000 mm-hmm. To give back to the community and just raise everything up? Do you think we could get rid of poverty? Do you think we could get rid of homelessness? Do you think we could get rid of world hunger? In a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. But most business owners don't understand how to grow a business predictable. Wow. So, creating world abundance my bro my brother <laughs> good stuff um before i let you go i'm going to
0: ask you five more quick questions and Thank i'll give you, you the first thing that comes to mind um hollywood calls and goes you know what wes we need to do a biopic on you uh but you get to choose who your who your co-stars to be we're going to have you play you but you could pick somebody to play your best friend who would that be keanu reeves hands down keanu reeves <laughs> awesome Keanu Reeves comes to your place and goes, you know what? I need to get to know you better before I play this part. Um, so let's get together, but I'm hungry right now. What's that special
1: dish that you could prepare for? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <sighs> hmm. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to say lasagna, but it's probably not what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, it's probably bought, right? <laughs> uh, you know, Steak, steak, I'm a big meat eater, so steak would be on the menu for sure, I would think.
0: Nice. Um, you go, you know what, the best way to get to know me is to play Monopoly. But you know what, I have a different version of Monopoly. It's called Wesopoly. <laughs> and uh, in it, there's there's these little tokens that you use as a playing pieces that represents you. Yeah. So what are the five items that represents you the most? Um,
1: one would be a race car, the top hat. Mm -hmm. Um, I always think of ZZ Top and uh, Sharp Dressed Man. I grew up with that song and so, you know, being sharp dressed. I used to be in the army uh, years ago and and I always felt the best when I wore my uniform. You Mm -hmm. know, brass buttons, polished boots, you know, look tall, you know, all that good stuff. So definitely that. Um, A piece of pie. Uh, (laughs) I love pumpkin pie, right? So um, and then uh, a rainbow. Nice because I think we're all striving to find that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And it's not so much the pot of gold that we find, but it's the journey along Mm -hmm. the way, right? It's our journey that we have to look after. Um, And I don't know what the last one would be a pencil perhaps, Ah. because um, you know, life's, life's not written um, until we do it. Right. So write it in pencil and and draft it and then go do it. Awesome. Nicely done. A hidden talent that not many people know about. Oh, yes. I love shooting. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pistol. Uh, pistol. I used to be a pistol, a competi- uh competitive pistol shooter. And I, I definitely love my pistols. Every once in a while, I'll go to my safe and I'll, I'll work the action back and forth just to get the feel for it. Um, it's a passion of mine, um, almost as passionate about uh, off-road racing and wheeling. So Oh,
0: wow. Cool stuff. Um, and my last question is, what's success like? Give me a number between one to, five, one to four. Uh, I'll do four. One, two, three,
1: four. So how is success
0: like the Mona,
1: Mona Lisa? Lisa. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, a picture in time. And, you know, I, I look at the the Mona Lisa and it's funny, it's funny you brought that up. Success is, is being in the moment and, and just in, and soaking it in. And so when you stand in front of the Mona Lisa, you have to just be in the moment and soak in what the mona lisa represents and i think success a lot of times um you know in my, in my alcoholism and in my, in my recovery i had an old timer tell me one time you said you know the past is done the future we don't know about and today is a present you have to you have to be living for today and if you got one foot in the past one foot in the present you're pissing all over today so <laughs> stop doing that right live in the moment and that's what i think success is all about is living in the moment being there with your kids being there with your wife being there with your loved ones with your parents being in the moment it can change your perception of what success is a big way success isn't about the billions of dollars in your bank account success is about the people you have around you Mm -hmm. your network your network is equal to your net worth
0: so be in the moment awesome nicely done that is how success is like the Mona Lisa um if anybody wants to get in touch with you, get a copy of your book, look at your webinars and sign up
1: for courses, what's the best way? Probably uh, email or text message. You can email me at Wes at business-impact.ca mm-hmm. or uh, text me at 587-832-5596. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, any last words from you? No, man. I just uh, really appreciate the opportunity to share my my journey and my story with uh, with your audience. I really like the uh, Really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you very much. For everybody else, remember to uh,
0: contact or get in touch with Wes. He has a lot of great stuff to share and a lot of great content as well. Get his book. Um, sign up for some of his courses. And uh, it's been a great time talking to you. Thank you very much for your time and your stories and your, your wisdom. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, until next time, he is Wes. My name is Fong Chua. Until next time, today is the day to unlock your peak potential. I'll see you later.